Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to In All Honesty, the podcast where you get the honest answers you didn't know you needed. And I'm Michelle Elman. I'm a five board accredited life coach and I use my experience from this to answer all the questions that have been on your mind lately. I am not going to lie, I am in some kind of mood. I am very, very hyper today and I've just spent about 10 minutes giggling to myself. We are in the second week of the world opening back up and God, it's made me happy. Even though not much of my life has changed, I am still not being to a restaurant, still not being to a pub, but... It's nice seeing everyone happy and even just like going into a shop today, everyone's just, moods are great and my mood is great. So (laughs) I wouldn't normally record while I'm feeling this hyperactive, but we're going to get into it because one of the reasons I'm giggling so much is around data gaps. Perfect timing. This week we are talking about single life. So exactly on topic. And as you know, I've been single for a while and I'm quite an advocate of being single as well. For about three years, I was properly and consciously single, which means no dates, no sex, no dates, no nothing. And it was right after a breakup back in 2014. And you know what? It was something I highly recommend and something that really changed my life and changed my standards. My standards for dating are so high now because of that period in my life. And it was something I really needed to go through. The reason why I chose to be consciously single is because... Well, that breakup was a particularly horrible one. More so the fact that I went into that relationship knowing it wasn't going to last, which is a very peculiar thing to do. I was 20 at the time and all my friends had been in relationships and I think I just really badly wanted a relationship, more so than I wanted that guy standing in front of me. In fact, the day we got into a relationship, when friends would congratulate me and were happy for me, I would actually respond saying, "Ugh, I give it six months. Why would you get into a relationship like that? We ended up lasting eight months, but it made me realise that being single is most definitely not worse than being in a bad relationship. This is why a lot of the time we are so hard on ourselves for making mistakes. But to me, that first relationship wasn't a mistake because I learnt the lesson that a bad relationship is so much worse than being single. And I don't think I would have learnt that lesson any other way. So sometimes you have to go through the awful stuff in order to learn the lesson. 
so I was 20 years old when I got into that relationship and at that stage as I said I cared more about having a boyfriend than who the boyfriend actually was I was quite insecure about the fact that I was 20 and still hadn't had a relationship that I literally jumped into a relationship with the first guy who was open to it and at no point in that relationship did I actually ask myself if I liked him. That's not the part that mattered to me. All that mattered was that he liked me. And that was such a bad way of getting a relationship, but it happens all the time, especially in teenage relationships. We crave that love, we crave those life experiences. It was really hard when you're the only single one left, and at that point in my life it was third year and all my friends had kind of got bored of going out and so everyone was hanging out with their boyfriends. And it kind of just made my life easier to have a boyfriend as well. But the moment we broke up, and it was about a week before my 21st birthday and also a week before graduation, and the fact that when we broke up, all I experienced was this feeling of relief, that was when my point of view on being single shifted. The fact I felt relief was a warning sign, and I started thinking about what if I had spent all that time and energy of the last eight months on myself than on a relationship that if I was being honest with myself was doomed from the start and because I had just graduated I had this mentality of who am I even to be dating right now I have no clue what the hell I want for my life I've just graduated I don't have a job I wanted to be a psychologist for my entire life and now I suddenly don't want to be what do I do next and I can't manage a relationship or even the potential of dating on top of all of this and I just moved back to London. I've always kind of lived in London but I went to university in Bristol so new city, trying to find my feet as an adult, trying to find a job and then adding a relationship on top of that seemed like the worst idea so I decided to be single. I would kiss people in clubs, flirt with people uh, but in three years I never went on a single date and didn't even sleep with anyone. My goal was that I wanted to build a life that made me happy and when I had a life that made me happy I thought I'd be feel ready to date. I wanted to figure out my career, put all my time and energy into me and loving myself and then I would consider dating and it worked out. I genuinely don't believe I would be where I am today without that single period. And then 2017, the end of 2017 hit. I had just got my book deal in the July. In the November I had just done my TED talk and I had just moved to being a full-time influencer. I fully loved myself, I was confident with my scars, with my body, and not just my body, but also me as a person and my personality, and it was actually after the TED Talk, so my TED Talk, I um, did it in November, and I came home to an empty house, and I was living with a housemate at the time, but she wasn't in, my housemate was out, and I had this thought of, I wish I had someone here to celebrate with me, and that was the first time in three years I had ever had a craving or a desire to even be dating someone and it was kind of one of those moments where I went I think I'm ready like I don't need my career to be perfect I don't need to have achieved everything I want but I have a path now I have a goal and also I have a drive and ambition and passion for what I'm doing that I'm sorted enough to now think of adding another element to my life and the following week I went on my first date in three years and he was a great guy and not comparable in any way to any of the guys I had dated before. It was so drastically different. It was like those three years of building my life had completely changed my standards subconsciously. And he just treated me really well. 
I mean, it obviously didn't last because I'm still single. But even that first date, I think we went on four or five dates. We dated each other for a few months. But even on that first date, I had that moment of going, wow, I'm attracted to a completely different caliber of person. And I'm so glad I took that time for myself. So I wanted to do a podcast episode on being single and not just the negatives of being single, but the positives as well, because I don't think the positives and the pros of being single are preached about enough. So let's get into the episode. Hi, Michelle, this is Terry from Cape Town. I have a question with regards to being single at an older age. I am 33 and have not had a boyfriend or girlfriend for a few years now. And a lot of people seem to think that I should be married with kids. And I kind of feel the same way at times. But what are your thoughts on this? Hey, Terry. So I personally don't think you should follow any conventional rules of when and how you should get married. My sister personally got married later and had kids later. And some people don't get married or have kids at all. If you are happy and fulfilled, then there should be no pressure to do either. I also resent the fact only women are given this kind of pressure. And for women who don't want kids or women who don't want to get married, anytime they say that, they not only get judged, but a lot of the time they aren't believed. It's sort of like they're like, oh, well, you'll change your mind later. No, some people just don't want to get married. Some people just don't want kids. The question you need to ask yourself is, do you actually want this or do you feel a pressure societally to fit within a mould of what your correct order of life is? There is no correct order. And to be honest, I think age is a little irrelevant if marriage and kids is not what you want. If you do want kids and you're a woman, then obviously that is one time constraint if you want kids biologically. But even now, there are so many different options to have kids. Yes, some harder than others, but the time constraint isn't as limiting as it used to be. However, you said other people think I should have kids and you think the same. The words that stick out to me is should. When someone says should, it implies that there is a pressure there. So I want you to try and see and replace it with I want to have kids rather than I should have kids. And notice how that fits in your body. Does that sit correctly? Does that feel true? Does that feel accurate? Or does that feel fake or like it's not you? So if you're 33 and you've never had the desire to get married or have kids, then I think we need to get rid of this illusion or this story that people change their mind. I think we need to get rid of this idea because most people who know they don't want to get married and have kids don't change their mind. And if we did this with another area of life, it would make absolutely no sense so if you said I don't want to be a doctor and someone said but are you sure are you sure you don't want to just get a medical degree just in case you never know you might want to be a doctor later in life and then you don't want to have to do a 10-year medical degree I think it's 10 years 10-year medical degree just in case that wouldn't make any sense now because in the voice note you said I do too you also didn't specifically say I should have kids or I should get married. So if the I want to get married or I want to have kids feels right in your body, that is all you need to know. Say that sentence and notice how it feels inside. Does it feel right? Does it feel true? Or would a sentence like, I don't mind whether I get married or not. I don't mind whether I have kids or not. Fit more with how you actually feel. Because then you just need to go on living your life and if it happens, it happens and if it doesn't, it doesn't. 
You said you feel the same way at times, so it doesn't really seem like you have much urgency to change that at the moment. The thing is, when people tell you what you should change in your life, yet you don't see it as a problem, it sometimes can really mess with our heads. So if you could get rid of everyone else's opinion, what do you want? If it's not a problem in your life, then it's not a problem. If it's something you might want or you might not like, but it's not your top priority, then no one can tell you that your priorities are wrong. The only factor that matters in all of this is what you want. Because ultimately, you don't want to get married and you definitely don't want to have kids. It's just because someone else thinks you should. I hope my point of view clarifies some things for you and thank you so much for the question. In this week's Dissecting Dysfunctional Conversations, we are talking about the hills i have just started watching this from the beginning and yes it's very old school and dated in many ways i'm not actually sure i like it yet but i do love the fact it's 20 minute bite-sized episodes it actually reminds me of very old school keeping up with the kardashians and it's quite easy watching and great to switch off your brain so i'm still watching it i am on season two and this week uh, we are going to be talking about a scene between heidi and her boyfriend So her boyfriend walks into the flat and she says they need to talk and says, the way you've been snapping at me has been really affecting me. She's just been talking to her friend about how her boyfriend loses his temper all the time, curses at her and takes it out on her and she does absolutely the right thing and tells her partner to his face and in that sentence the focus is on how she feels. So perfect way to set a boundary and start a conversation. She says to him, The last time was the final straw and it made me ask, how can he talk to me like this? What can I do to make him stop talking to me like this? I don't know how to make you stop because you're passionate or whatever, but it hurts my feelings. First up, the boyfriend is completely disengaged in this conversation to begin with. He's looking up the ceiling as she's talking and when she says he has hurt her feelings, there is no guilt, no shame, no sadness, which results in no accountability He is not listening. He is preparing his response and he does cut her off and interrupt her saying no, no, no all the way through. She continues. She says that she's not used to being talked to like that and that it's a combination of the words and the way he talks to her. And he said, well, that's not who he is and he's not going to reconstruct who he is to become this calm person. So she asks, so you can't just watch how you talk to me. You can't monitor it a little bit. And he's again interrupting her saying, I told you, I told you whenever I'm passionate, I get going. She responds with, I would think if you love me, you would want to be calm and understanding. And then he says, sometimes you have this little princess persona and I have to cater to you the whole time. The conversation goes on, but there's enough here to delve into. This whole conversation is dysfunctional but it's important to highlight because this is a standard example of gaslighting and seeing a red flag and ignoring it you are telling someone that they hurt you and they are not apologizing barely listening aren't even taking accountability for it and then the final straw that should be a blinking red light yelling stop that you should end this relationship is this comment about a princess persona so he tries to make her think that she is asking for too much She is too much of a princess and she shouldn't have to change for him. The functional version of this conversation would be when he first interrupted, I would say, can you let me finish? Please don't interrupt me. Then if he does it again, I would hold that boundary and say, if you interrupt me again, then we can't have this conversation as it isn't productive. 
when he said he didn't want to change and he has no intention of changing, I would respond, okay, that's your decision, but I can't be in this relationship anymore. The way someone speaks to me is important. The way you speak to me demonstrates no respect and I need to be with someone who respects me. I understand you think you love me, but for me, if I loved someone, I would care if I hurt their feelings. I want to be in a relationship where we can both hold each other to a higher standard of treating each other with kindness and respect and this relationship can't offer me that. I wouldn't try to change him. I would genuinely end it there and then. He's already told you enough in this conversation and I can hear some of you already saying, but shouldn't you give him the opportunity to change? Yes, if he wanted to change, but he's literally just told you he doesn't and has no intention of changing. Not only that, he insulted you on top of that for voicing your feelings. That part will never change because there's no accountability. He's not even showing any sign of remorse or guilt or feeling bad in any way. If you threatening to leave is what provokes him to want to change, then that's not real change anyway. So that wouldn't change my mind because he would change temporarily in order to keep you around. But as soon as he feels like he has you permanently again, he would change back to his old ways. He would change back to his old ways because that person doesn't recognise what they did wrong and are still a person who doesn't take accountability and doesn't care about how they impact you and your feelings. At one point he says, this is just the way I am, and that is the exact attitude I have seen in many versions of this same conversation, summarised in one sentence. And in a healthy relationship, instead of, this is just the way I am, a healthy relationship encourages growth in each other, and I always want to be growing and evolving into a better person, and frankly, anyone who says something along the lines of, that's just the way I am, is actually quite unattractive to me, it's quite a turn off. Ultimately, I believe all relationships, romantic and platonic, do change you. And if they are a good person to have in your life, they should change you for the better. And when someone has highlighted something that I do that negatively affects them, I want to work on it. Not for them, but actually for me, because I don't want to be that person. If someone told me I had a temper and that I speak to them in a really harsh and mean way and it upsets them, I would want to change that for me, not because of how it's affecting the other person, but because I don't want to be that person. And I would also be grateful that they communicated that to me so that we can both have a healthier relationship and I would appreciate that they brought that issue to me and that required a certain level of vulnerability. This conversation, however, was the exact opposite of that. But we can learn from these shows, we can learn from reality TV in particular because it is just a replica of real life conversations that happen in the real world all the time. I personally have had an ex, my first boyfriend was a person who once said to me, that's just the way I am and so it's why it's one of my red flags now. It's a warning sign of what's to come and I've already seen what's to come so I don't need to live it twice. <laughs> okay, back to the questions. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, Michelle. My name's Aronka and I'm from Holland. I have a question about single life. Um, most of my friends are in relationships and engaged, married, on their way to having kids, all the good things. I've been single for about two years now, um, and after a horrible breakup, I'm definitely enjoying parts, you know, like not having to take anyone into account when decorating a house, um, but I also very much want what all of my friends have around me, and I was wondering if you have any tips or advice about how to strike the balance between enjoying my single life um, but also not feeling sort of resentful for seeing people have what I really want and what I feel um, is kind of my main goal in life. Like the main thing that I want for myself is just to have my own little happy family. Thank you. Hey, so this is a similar question, but different to the first one. The first question, Terry didn't seem sure herself. Whereas you know you have an end goal of a relationship, marriage and kids. What you need to do is essentially what I would term as single but actively dating. Which is, hi, what I'm doing right now. I'm single, I love being single but I'm also actively looking for a relationship. There was a time in my life I was single, loving being single but also actively looking simply to date. But no particular motivation to convert dating to a relationship. This was probably like 2019 pre-pandemic me whereas post-pandemic me I definitely want a relationship I'm not desperate for one but I do actively want one and to get a boyfriend is definitely one of my top two goals this year and you know what I don't even care about whether I achieve that goal as long as I get to the end of the year knowing I have developed in a personal development way to be more ready for a relationship than I was at the start of the year how I'm doing this is I'm making the most of my single life. I'm doing every single thing that comes after the sentence. When I'm in a relationship, I want to. So whether that's I want to go to the Sky Garden or I want to start going to more restaurants. I'm doing all those things single. And also at the same time, I'm raising my love life in my priorities. So a very practical example is if a work thing comes up and I have a date plan, I will say no to the work because I want to put my energy into my dating life. And I truly believe by me making my single life as fulfilled and my dream life, that will only help in attracting the perfect person. Also, by making it a goal, it means I can't just sit on my ass and hope and manifest a boyfriend. I am actually putting effort in and energy in 
because it's pandemic. So that's putting a certain amount of time and energy every day going on dating apps. That's also the fact that I'm working with someone new on a course around love life and I'm always learning and growing in that area because when the right person turns up in my life, I want to make sure I am ready in terms of my own personal development and I want to make sure I'm ready in terms of ready to let go of past patterns that happened in my love life and ready to welcome something new. So I'm putting the time and energy in, in the same way that if I was looking for a new job, I would be putting time and energy into that, into applying for the job, going for interviews, and finding a boyfriend is no different. I'm not saying finding a boyfriend is a job, but in the same way that you would put applications in and you would spend time looking for new jobs, you have to spend time either on dating apps or in the real world. But frankly, I think dating apps are more realistic given it's a pandemic right now. Unfortunately, a man is not going to suddenly fall into my apartment in the middle of a pandemic. It's like that meme that's like, I want a boyfriend. Well, how many guys do you meet? Uh, zero. How many guys do you talk to? Uh, zero. Well, how do you expect to meet someone then? And yes, this might be really obvious, but I really don't believe in that phrase. Like, oh, when you're not focusing on it, it will happen. The people who say that have very little evidence for that and usually can only quote their own love life as anecdotal evidence. And the one story they quote you will likely be that story because it's such a small chance of it happening that it's such an anomaly that it gets repeated so often because it is unusual. Also, I find that people only say that once they are in a relationship as an almost beautiful idea, but it's actually not very realistic. I think there is one element in it in terms of when you want something so desperately, you almost like suffocate it and can't achieve the goal. And then I think the other element of it is that you might not fall in love with the person that you've like pictured or imagined um, and the person you fall in love with might not be who you always thought you would end up with but in order to be ready for a relationship or at least a healthy relationship there was time and energy and effort to get yourself in a mentality and a headspace where you could operate healthily in a romantic relationship especially if you've had some patterns in your past that needed work or fixing or healing and so you work on yourself and I don't believe there's a single person in a healthy relationship that hasn't worked on their communication or the how they relate to intimacy or have their own fears spotlighted within the relationship and had to work through that and not project it onto their partner. And all of that doesn't happen by chance. The fact that you feel resentful is just a sign of something you want. I wouldn't read too much into that. Being resentful or jealous of seeing someone get what you want means you know what you want. That's all it is. The way you change that energy from resentment to inspiration, which is actually not too far, it's the same source that you're seeing something that you want, but you're having a different feeling inside, is by using it as material to imagine your own life. So if you see your friends pushing their kids on a swing, imagine yourself pushing your own child on a swing and let yourself get excited by it. So I'm quite spiritual, so I believe that the energy of excitement raises your vibration and does help your goals be achieved. But even if you aren't spiritual, that is how to change the energy of resentment. You have to believe that your main goal will be achieved. I want you to fully believe that in your body, that it will happen and it will be your turn at one point. And in the meantime, use this time to prepare yourself and give yourself all the tools and self-development you need so that when the right relationship comes along, you'll be ready and you'll be bringing your best self to the table. How I would do this is I would ask myself, would I date me? 
And any part that you've hesitated on or any part that's popped into your mind going, "Mm, I'm not sure, I don't think I would like that in a partner, that is the part you need to work on. And that could be something like, well, no, I wouldn't date me because she thinks about her ex a little bit too much. Okay, great. We know what we can do now and use this single time to have fun, but also effectively prepare yourself for your next relationship. Hope that gives you a lot of options to start working on stuff and I'm so excited for it to be your turn soon. This week's three quick tips are on how to be happy single. Number one, focus on the platonic love you have. One of the first things I did when I became single was start investing in my friendships more. A lot of my friends had been annoyed that I was the kind of person who disappeared as soon as I got a boyfriend or would text my boyfriend on the table when I was talking to them and so in the breakup I vowed to never be that person again. I believe even if I got into a relationship now, my relationship will benefit from the fact I have a number of important relationships in my life and not just my partner. If you want a meaningful relationship, platonic or romantic, you need to invest in it. Number two, actively choose to spend time alone. Start putting it into your diary or your calendar as a date with yourself and prioritizing time with yourself. And also forcing time with yourself is the fastest way to get yourself to like yourself more. Not love yourself, but actually just like yourself in a, oh my God, you're actually kind of fun kind of way. And once you start feeling that, it's very easy for the people around you to start feeling the same way about you too. Number three, write a list of perks of being single. We tend to notice all the perks of being in a relationship, but we give the perks of being single next to no notice. Even if you don't have the intention of being single long, then treasure it while it lasts, but you can't treasure it if you aren't even noticing it. So whether it's a whole double bed to yourself or not having to factor someone in when you travel, there are plus sides to being single, so it's time you start noticing it. Hi Michelle, Uh, firstly I wanted to say a huge thank you, Um, I'm loving your book, it's really making a huge difference to me Um, and I'm loving your podcasts and Instagram work as well so thank you so much for everything you're doing. My question today is about being single, Um, so I'm 25 and I've been single for my whole life, Um, I've been on a few dates with people but I've never been interested in following up or going on another date and taking things further with them Um, and mostly that's something that I'm quite comfortable with. I don't want to pretend um, that I'm interested in someone if I'm not so I would rather be single than um, be in a relationship with someone where I'm not feeling it and I'm in it for the sake of it. Um, I've also been trying to work on my boundaries um, in my friendships because I know I can be quite codependent um, and that's something I'm really trying to set better boundaries for myself um, and make sure that my friendships are strong and that I feel secure in them. Um, So that's something I'm quite aware of that I would need to look out for um, when I'm looking to date someone or be in a relationship with them. Um, But my question is, I feel like as part of setting boundaries, I can become quite defensive and quite closed off to letting people get to know me. Um, And I think I'm in a place now where I'm very comfortable with being single because actually being in a relationship with someone will challenge a lot of those boundaries. Um, 
in a way that I'm not used to them being challenged. So I guess my question is, how do I know uh, when I'm setting a boundary and it's a healthy thing to do and a good thing to do? Um, and when does that cross the line into becoming defensive and closed off? Um, how can I set boundaries that uh, make sure that I'm looking after myself, but also that I am actually opening myself up to other people um, and giving them a chance to get to know me and giving myself a chance to actually consider um, something longer term with them rather than just closing myself off immediately. Thank you very much. Hey there. Oh, thank you so much for getting my book and supporting me on both Instagram and on here. I love that you are comfortable with the fact that you've just not found someone interesting enough and the fact that you end it when you feel that. It's a really authentic thing and and as you said, pretending you're interested when you're not is a waste of both your time. You're already ahead of most people that you know that being single is better than a bad relationship. I had to learn that lesson the hard way, so yay to all of that. In terms of the fact that you said you had a number of codependent friendships, I want to just alert you to a pattern I tend to notice, and I'm not saying this is you, but a question to ask yourself is, are your codependent friendships allowing room for a romantic relationship? I've worked with a number of people who find that when a codependent friendship ends, sometimes not positively, if that friendship leaves your life, suddenly there's a lot more interest in their love life. Now, I'm not saying that's you, and I'm not saying you should end any friendships, but I thought I would mention it because then it's also about finding a balance between friendships so that there's still room for a love life if you want it. You might not want it. Again, only you can decide that if that's a problem in your life. In answer to your question about boundaries, there is a difference between walls and boundaries. Boundaries do not close you off. Walls do. Boundaries allow for healthy, intimate connection with people who you believe have earned and deserved your trust. Walls push everyone away. Now, some people confuse being closed off with not being accessible the whole time, and those two are not the same thing. Also, some people confuse being closed off with being strict with bad treatment, and again, that is not the same thing either. How you figure out which one you are doing is ask yourself if you are acting out of fear. Being single is a more certain, a more secure position that requires no risk. If you were to start dating and going on dates, open yourself to a connection, that's a lot of risk. Unfortunately, with love comes the potential of hurt. So asking yourself if it's fear and if it is, set yourself the goal of just going on one date, just one date, being your true authentic self and being open. The thing about boundaries is you don't walk onto every date being like, here are all my boundaries, you better not cross all of them. You get to know a person slowly and if a boundary is crossed, you set the boundary. What happens is you walk in and with an open mind, even excited to meet the person and a person with good boundaries knows that if they behave in a certain way that isn't okay they will have the confidence to set that boundary and communicate but you don't have to preemptively set those boundaries that's when it's starting to look a little more like a wall that's the defensiveness part that comes across and to a healthy person will look like a red flag so for example and this is going to be an obvious example but people do do this more subtly and if you were going on a first date and someone said something like, oh, if anyone cheated on me, I would be gone. 
This is actually more of a wall than a boundary because of the context. Why are you saying this on a first date? Why are you pre-warning a person to not cheat on you? That's a defensive act because it presupposes the person was thinking of cheating on you. And it sort of implies that you've been cheated on in the past, which isn't an appropriate conversation for a first date. So it would almost look like an emotional dump to me or like someone is trying to floodlight. If you don't know what floodlighting is, Brene Brown talks about it, where someone's trying to bombard you with information so that you flee before um, they can get attached almost as a test. She talks about it way better than I just did and that's not the best example. But do you see what I mean? So give yourself the challenge of one day and if being open is too intimidating for you, then challenge yourself to just be 50% yourself. You don't have to be the full you, you don't have to be 100% you. Just be 50% more open than usual and have some fun with it. Go into it with a very curious mind, just to see, just experiment, and also just to see how you respond, how you feel. Get very curious about what you're feeling inside yourself, and that will tell you a lot. Thank you so much for all the love and support, and thank you for sending your question in. So the thing I am working on at the moment is I am actually working on my relationship with disability and illness. I don't tend to use the word disability to describe myself because honestly, I don't really like labels and I believe labels are for other people and I honestly don't know where the line is in terms of what counts as disability but what I would say is I definitely don't have the ability of a normal person or I'm not able-bodied, let's not use the word normal and I've been working on that by going to physio three times a week in lockdown and especially while my work has been quiet, my work has been impacted quite a lot by the pandemic. So instead of worrying about something I can't control and is a waste of my time and energy to worry about, I have put my energy into utilising this time in a way that is going to benefit me in the future. To be honest, I should have done a lot of this exercise rehabilitation when I had my surgeries when I was born. So when I was 7, 11, 19, to be honest, when I was 1, but I probably didn't have to relearn how to walk because I didn't know how to walk yet. But to be honest, the priority and the emphasis on physiotherapy and things like that within the medical field wasn't really there when I was those ages. For my whole life, I've basically been doing 90% of what I've wanted. But in order to do that, I've learned different ways to work around the muscles that essentially don't work. So I'm using the wrong muscles and that does mean I can do whatever I want, but it usually puts me in a lot of pain afterwards. And then I have to go to physio or sports massage to fix it. So I'm kind of going back to the beginning and fixing the small muscles and reactivating the right muscles and it's been a slow process and it's frustrating a lot of the times because to a person watching it genuinely looks like I'm barely moving but for me it's a really hard exercise. So the thing I'm working on at the moment is understanding that we all have different starting points. Beginner is a word that means different things to different people and even though a lot of people have a certain idea of what a beginner looks like and that I look like I'm not moving, that doesn't matter because this is all important things I need to do for me. And any time I think anyone's judging me, it's actually my own insecurity and my own feelings around not being as able as I would like to be. So I'm working through a lot of that at the moment. And I'm taking it as an opportunity to learn something new, develop my self-love even more because I'm so proud of myself. It's required a lot of persistence and a lot of determination and I'm loving how much I'm growing and strengthening and accepting that we are all starting at different starting points and I'm starting to see the progress and 
um, the strength that I'm gaining from it and I love that I've been doing this what for three months now and just the amount of commitment to keep going um, well done me so having a proud moment and also working through any feelings that disability or um, not being as able-bodied brings up for me and it's really strange because someone asked me the same question on Q&A today about how I feel about being disabled and whether I call myself disabled and most of the time I don't I say I'm I'm not able-bodied but I don't tend to use the word disabled but a lot of feelings around it and that's okay and that's okay we are all a work in progress and as we grow as we change as we live and age (laughs) we learn new things that's one thing I'm learning Anyway, thank you so much for all the questions. The podcast couldn't happen without all your voice notes. So I really appreciate the time and energy and the vulnerability, especially in today's voice notes that everyone is sending my way. If you would like to send in a voice note, you have a question for me, you would like some life coaching, then send it to in all honesty at mindsetforlife.co.uk. The email address will be in the description below. And you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. My username is Scar Not Scared. My two books are called The Joy of Being Selfish and Am I Ugly? I just saw The Joy of Being Selfish in a store today for the first time, which was very cool, and I signed it. So head to Piccadilly Waterstones if you want a signed copy of the book. Or WH Smith's. WH Smith's has signed copies of my book as well, um, if you would like one. Other than that, I look forward to speaking to you next week. Next week, we are talking about perfectionism and I haven't actually had a look at the voice notes for next week. So I don't know what's coming next week either. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for listening. If you have a moment, it would mean the world if you could subscribe and drop me a review because I'm loving all the five star reviews and I do read them. So it'd be really nice to have some positive ones to come back to. Hope you all have a lovely week and I'll speak to you next Wednesday. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.